everyone. Welcome to Ben Better. How about you? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better. How about you? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today we have singer-songwriter Fletcher joining us. Hi, how are you? I, we've, we've both just basically stated that we've been a lot better in our lives. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I've been in better, I've been in better places. I'm, I'm existing somewhere between, um, yeah, thriving and, and a complete shit show. So, you know, <laughs> so, I've been better, I've been worse. That's, that's also true. Yeah, I feel like that's something I always say where I'm like, well, I've been better, but I've also been a lot worse. So that's, yeah. that's even how the name of this podcast came about, because that's what I would always, it'd be like the barometer of how mm. I thought I was doing. Yeah, I feel like my answer is always like, I've been better, though. Like, I feel like I've always like, really? Yeah, like, I, I don't, I mean, I think just lately, though, I mean, it's just been such a weird last year and time that I feel like pretty consistently over the last year, I'm like, mm, yeah, I've, I've, I've been better. It's kind yeah. of just been the consensus for the last 365 days. It's, and I feel like, like through your music, that's what you do. Like so much of your music is storytelling, like taken directly from your own life, right? Like your own experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't really know how to write anything that I like haven't haven't been through every every story just comes from like a super real place whether that be just like a conversation or a feeling I've had or a thought or like a fear um it's kind of just like my music just always ends up being like my diary and like the sessions that I have with my therapist <laughs> somehow just like coming out in in the lyrics um but I think that's that's really cool like I find writing so cathartic and I think you're listeners and even myself really identify with that like I was listening to Undrunk and it took me right back to the pain of my most recent breakup mm, yeah I think it's so funny I, I was just celebrating I got drunk the other night by myself in my apartment I took like a couple tequila shots because it was two <laughs> years it was two years um, of Undrunk and I was just like we're in the middle of a pandemic like this song changed so much for me and it still has the most special place in my heart and so I just I got a little buzzed and I was like dancing around the apartment, my apartment, and I was listening to it. And um, yeah, it's still, still kind of like takes me back to a place too. It's funny how music does that. Is writing and performing music um, your form of therapy or part of, I guess, your form of therapy along with your therapist, right? Yeah, I, I really think it is. I, I think I didn't realize how much it helped me to share the way that I share until like I finally started doing it. And the feedback that I was getting from people of being like, oh my God, I've been through a similar experience or like, I haven't necessarily been through that, but I went through this and sort of, it just has become this like circle of like sharing. And it, 
has made me feel so much. And so many people are like, oh, you've made me feel so much like less alone and this feeling about a breakup or whatever. And I'm just like, it's, it, that works both ways because that just inspires me to be more open. And then it makes me feel less crazy for the shit that I'm thinking and saying. Um, and so it's just been really like unifying experience that has been so um, important to like my development as, as an artist. Yeah, because I mean, I think that's, and it, I know like when someone says, oh, I went through that too, it makes you, it gives you validation in a good way because you're, you're realizing that they're, it's cathartic for you. It's cathartic for your listeners. And I feel like that's such an awesome way to process life's tragedies, you know, like that you're, mm-hmm. and that you're being honest with them because I, I think so much music that's out there is like, just a formula or trying to, you know, hit A, B, C, D, E, and it's not authentic or from your gut. And I think you can tell that when you're listening to a song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, especially now, I feel like, like, people just want sincerity. Like, we all just want to be told the truth. We are all trying to, like, find our own truth. And so when you hear a song or you hear, see a film or whatever it is, like, any kind of media or anything that just makes you see, like, a little bit of yourself in that because somebody is being honest about their human experience, like, that shit makes all the difference, especially when you're hurting, especially when you're going through, like, a confusing, hard-to-navigate time. Like, you want to look to other people and be like, is this, is this normal what I'm going through? Like, how are you managing this? And um, yeah, I just feel like that honesty has saved me so many times when I find that in other people and in other places. And I'm like, I need to be another source of that in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a song that you heard before you started singing professionally that did that for you? A certain song or something you remember? I just remember growing up um, listening to, uh, my parents had two CDs in the house growing up. We had Bob Marley and Celine Dion, which is the weirdest combination of like, I'm like, I also, I also thought that was the only music that existed in the world. I was like, oh, there's only these, this this is the only music that is a thing. And then we also, I mean, being from Asbury and being from the Jersey Shore and growing up, you know, like super close to Asbury Park, I grew up on a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Um, and I grew up in Baltimore, so- Maryland, so I get it. It's like a different kind of vibe, the music. Yeah, it is. There's just like, there's just like an East, there's just such like an East Coast, like honesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, like near the shore. I know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, there's something that just feels so like real life about it. And it's not sort of trying to be anything that it's not. It's kind of just like a a narrative and a story and growing up listening to so much of that. I was like, I I just want, I just want my music to, to put someone in like a specific time and place and feeling and be like really specific about emotions that are sometimes like ones that like were uncomfortable to say I mean this the sickest thing to me about music is like it allows like a song is a vessel for me to be able to say things that I probably wouldn't like I can say like way more fucked up shit in a song than I could because there's like a pretty melody and lyric to it then yeah. there would be just like say it out loud like I can get away with like so much I can get away with so much um 
Yeah, when you're singing it versus like screaming it at someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you you were in Ashbury, like you were born in Ashbury, New Jersey, right? Um, so I was born super close to Asbury Park. Um, my mom. Oh, am I, and- I'm totally miss. I mispronounce everything. I'm like Ashbury. Right? Asbury. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, Asbury. That's okay. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up uh, really close to Asbury Park in like the town next to it. Um, and my mom is born and raised in Asbury Park. And you know, Bruce Springsteen like still rides around town. Like I see him on his motorcycle. He like goes to like the local ice cream shop like down by the shore. Yeah, being from there was like really um, uh, had a lot of influence over over the way that I write songs today. Are are both your parents? really passionate and vocal people because I feel like you have no problem expressing yourself which is awesome but you know sometimes it's the opposite like me and my whole family are so loud and like we're just so emotional and visceral about everything is that how your family was or were you sort of the black sheep yeah, I think it's like a little bit of both. Like okay. when it comes to my, I mean, my dad's a car salesman. So he's just like the most like charismatic, um, like he's just like a typical, like he reminds me, like think of like Danny DeVito, like in that's Matilda awesome. yeah. on the car. <laughs> awesome. like, that's Bob Fletcher. Like that's my dad. Like he's just, I mean, he's not like a scam artist like that, but he's just like very like charming, charismatic. Um, and we all curse like sailors. Like it's how we express ourselves. We're all very opinionated. We're really straightforward. We're pretty stubborn. So it makes for an interesting mix like in the house. Cause we all just straight up like say it, ex- there's no sugarcoating anything. Um, I think, I think that's kind of like really, really where I got that from. I think I'm the black sheep in terms of how sensitive and emotional I am. Um, my parents are pretty like, like my mom was a flight attendant for 30 years with Delta Airlines and she was just like an independent badass bitch. And she just like traveled the world by herself and like, didn't need anybody and like was super tough. And, um, and, and I got so much of that mentality of just like beat to your own drum. Like don't ever let anybody like try to tell you that you can't do something like so much of my, um, in my, like my, my strength and like my, my power in what it means to be a woman, like comes from growing up with such a strong female figure in my life. But I think I am the black sheep when it comes to, um, like emotionally, I'm like a little soft Pisces baby who I just like really cry at a lot. And I'm also oh an my gosh, you're a Pisces. Yeah. You guys are really sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm an empath. So I feel a lot of things like yeah. super, super like other people's feelings too so it's an interesting uh it's an interesting combination I feel like I'm just like a lot of contradictions existing all at one time um isn't it so I feel like part of me is so the empath as well we're like when you're constantly feeling everyone's emotions and what they're going through it's it's very exhausting and yeah. I mean, I don't know, you just, I feel so fragile sometimes in public because you're feeling what everyone else is going through. Yeah, I, I grocery stores are my, like, the worst place for me. Um, the airport is terrible because I feel everyone's, like, super stressed out, chaotic energy. Also, like, if I go to a doctor's office, I'll, I could feel people's, like, sy- like things that they're having, like, symptoms. Oh, wow. 
or people that I'm with, if someone has a stomach ache, like I get a stomach ache. And so then I'll ask them, be like, do you have a stomach ache? And then I have to try to figure out if it's like that theirs or my, it's, I don't know. It's so Oh, wow. Weird. So that's like, that is on a very deep level. Yeah. It's been like my whole life too. And I've always just been, I've always just, I've always felt negatively towards it. Cause I was always just like, oh, I'm just like so, too sensitive to like exist in the world. Like, I don't even know. I can't watch. I still to this day, can't really watch scary movies or like the news is really hard for me because I feel I like feel other people's pain and feelings like, so it's, um, but I've just, I've learned though, that it's like my, it's, it, it's one of my superpowers. I think it's the thing that like makes, it's one of the, fa- it's become one of my favorite things about me because I'm like, ah, oh, I really, un- I can feel what it feels like to walk in somebody's shoes. Yeah. That's did therapy help you with that? Or did you just sort of find that as you, expressed yourself more through music and, and, you know, have had so much success and you started to feel like this is my sort of double-edged sword, but that's probably why you can write, you know, so well and perform and reach so many people. Yeah. I think it's been, um, I think it's just been like, it's been therapy. It's been time. It's been confidence. It's been like stepping into my own shoes and my own skin and like just through, every experience has been really formative of, of kind of just using that as a superpower instead. And also just like learning how to protect my energy. I'm like a very much a people pleaser and I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. I don't like making, I like people to just feel super safe and like really good around me. So I'll go out of my way. And I'm, and that it's made me a bit of a social chameleon because I'll try to just I'm like, okay, I'm going to match, I'll match your vibe. So you feel comfortable. And that's actually super, super draining. And so I've really just been, I've just spent a lot of time trying to be like, okay, like staying in tune with my emotions and how do I feel in this space? And like, what do I need? And, and boundary setting, I think boundaries are so important and something that I just honestly had no grasp of uh, until really like the last like year, I'd say. Like years, like understanding the importance of setting, setting healthy boundaries. Uh, Yeah. I used, before I started therapy, I I always thought boundaries was like a thing, like you'd only go so far with a guy, like sexually. And then I was like, oh, I was like, boundaries are like saying no to friends or saying no, you know, to a family member that you always do something for that they expect, but actually really drains you. And it really takes practice, I think, to get your boundaries you know it's 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 hard like with anything it's it's easier said than done but I I remember when I was like oh no I'm really good with boundaries and then the more I worked with this one therapist I was like oh I'm really not good with this you know yeah it's really it's really hard I think it's hard to um it's hard to let people down it's hard to I don't know. I always just want to be seen in like a good light. And I'm just like, fuck, that's not realistic. Like you're not going to be everybody's favorite person. You're not going to please everybody. And you will spend the rest of your life running yourself into the ground and losing yourself. If you're just trying to keep up with something that's just not a attainable and b sustainable. No, it's um, true. you have to think, yeah. I think when you're, when that's your tendency, you have to, I literally have it on a board in my office right now like you have to think to yourself what works best for me Mm. and for me that was really hard to actually put into practice like not what works best 
for everyone that wants to go to dinner here or what works best for someone you're dating or it's it's um it was really hard for me to do that i feel but but at once you start doing it more and more you feel better oh yeah you totally do because then you just you you feel a lot of like respect for yourself because you're just like all right that was kind of uncomfortable to do but you know, in the long run, that was, that was like the healthier choice for me in that moment. And then you start to feel like you can trust yourself more and it just ends up being, you know, you just keep sort of building on this foundation. And this is all something that I'm just like very new to and, and like still like experimenting with and figuring it out. And, but like, it feels good. Like I just started writing affirmations. I bought some like, like, um, expo markers off of Amazon and (laughs) I, I've just been writing like different affirmations on my mirror every morning, like whichever one I feel like I need that day. Yeah. And I, I literally just started this like five days ago. So we're not, I'm not sure, totally sure how this is working out for me yet. Um, well, I think that's helpful. Like when you write it out, you kind you, you get it out of you. It doesn't yeah. seem as scary for me if I write something down, even if it's just sort of a vomit of your thoughts or anxiety or, and, and then it gets a little easier each time. Yeah, it does. I don't know about you, but I have found that I like when I journal and write things out though, I feel pretty like judgmental. Like I, I almost, Oh yeah. That it's more helpful to, to write from a place where it's like, okay, this like doesn't need to be good. And also I could, I don't ever need to read this back. Like I could burn it for all that I care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, some some people find power in that where, cause I, I used to have such I mean, I still have it when I'm stressed, but sometimes my OCD will be like, oh, I can't write this down or it'll come true. <laughs> so I have to write it and then write the thought, your thoughts are not facts. Like your thoughts are not facts. Cause yeah. that, that helps me. Yeah. I mean, I really relate to that. I grew up with, um, with really, really, really bad OCD and rumination. And I had really bad intrusive thoughts as a little kid. Um, and it started, it started as like a behavioral where I was having to just like flick light switches on and off all the time and do things for, because if I didn't do it four times, then like something bad would happen to someone in my family. And that's so and me. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I like had obsessive like hand washing. And so I was, I was like really afraid of germs. And so my hands were always bleeding as a little kid all the time. Cause I just like I would wash my hands like 80 times a day. And then it kind of went, it turned to like um, obsessive like thought patterns and thinking and like just like very specific narratives of things that like I thought would happen to me when I got older or would happen to my family. So um, yeah, I really, I really, I really relate to the, um, the OCD mind. I still like struggle with it, um, struggle with it a bit. Have you found that what helps you the most with your OCD is sort of writing things out or was there a form of therapy that you tried yeah, or so medicine? I, I was, um, I was a mental health studies minor at, I went to New York university. Um, and I was a mental health studies minor there and specifically children and adolescent mental health studies minor, because I just, I was just like, I struggled so, so hard with mental health as a little kid. Like when I think about my childhood, I, I honestly think about it. I like, I had an amazing family who had, you know, amazing experiences with, but when it's, it's pretty tinged by this, like very like anxious, um, light, 
because I was just really f- scared like all the time. And I just wanted to, were you scared and, and that it, like someone would hurt you? Yeah, I was really scared. Someone, I, I honestly remember it happened. There was, there was like a, there was actually like a murder in the town over from me. Um, and I remember I was 12 when I found out about it and I, it was a, a, a mother like had murdered her son. And I remembered feeling so like sick, like ill, sick to my stomach. And I just remember thinking like, how, do, how does that happen? Like, what if I lose my mind one day? Like, what if I become mentally ill or what if that happens to someone in my family? And it just became like this, like very obsessive. And then I would try to go out of my way to do things that would seem opposite of anything that felt like it was leading towards something unstable. Like, I don't even know how I was really trying to rationalize it as, as a little kid, but um, I ended I up- you can when you're that- Young. Yeah, you can. And you develop like weird coping mechanisms, which is like the the things that you can control. So I was so afraid of the unknown. So I'm like, okay, what can I control? I can, you know, eat this certain portion of food and I can flick this light switch four times and I can make my parents say this very specific good night, I love you, like speech back and forth to each other. And if it wasn't said exactly how we do it every night, we have to start over and like, I can check my room in this certain order and whatever. Um, Like that was so my mind as a child too. Yeah. Yeah. I I had to knock on wood five times with the right hand. Yeah. Like the most weird. I was on the phone with them. I had to hear it. I had to say phone to the wood. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. And so, and you know that it's not rational, but you can't stop and you can't not. And, um, it was just exhausting. And then I got to college, I was 18 and I was like still really struggling with some like really intense intrusive thoughts. And then, um, you know, I had found out about some like suicides that had happened in, in my library at college. And then I like couldn't step foot in the library because, I just was, I was afraid. I was like, oh, what if, what if one day, like my anxiety is really bad. And, and then I was like, you know, I've never like specifically thought about hurting myself, but I was like really afraid of that thought. And, um, because that's just, where the room someone else did it. Yeah, exactly. Like that was the room. And I, and then also the empath thing I could walk in and I suddenly felt the like overwhelming. I felt like I felt the feelings that people have had in there and the energy was just so bad. And I was like, fuck, this whole place needs to wow. be saved. Like, this is like, this is not, these are bad vibes here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was a mental health studies minor because I just wanted to understand I'm like what is going on like what is happening in my brain what has been happening in my brain since I was a little kid and I honestly was just exhausted like I couldn't go I was like afraid of subways it affected my social life I wasn't seeing anyone um and I was just I was miserable and I had I remember having a thought one day that I was like, if I don't get help, if I don't figure it out, like, I'm not going to make it like, I'm not going to make it my whole life being inside of this brain and this body. I was just so exhausted. And, um, 
yeah, it was there. I like read the whole fucking like DSM about like every mental health disorder. And then I started reading about OCD and it honestly wasn't till I was there. I was like, oh, this is what I have. I was like, this is what it is. Like, this is actually what I have. Like, I think it's something that's diagnosable. And then I ended up getting some like cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, I, I was on a medication um, for four years uh, that I have since, um, gotten off of, but yeah, it's like mental health is just like, it's such a journey. Like it's such, it's such a journey. And I think what I've realized is that it's just, it's not linear, like healing and journey is not linear and you take steps back and then you take 10 forward and then you go like a little bit left and then suddenly you're right. And it's like, there's no clear trajectory to like how this is supposed to go. Yeah. Um, but that's great that C- you found, because some people uh, don't find CBT helpful for OCD. So that's great that you found it really helpful. I honestly think, I don't really know that I that I honestly found it helpful. I think, well, first oh, of all- okay, was, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was. It, it like it was it was to an extent but um the like medication like really did i think it's you know for everyone's experience i didn't want to be on it anymore and i think it's different for everybody but at the time i think it uh, i mean it saved my life so i don't mind I, if yeah. i ask you what it, medication it was yeah. you know, i was i was on lexapro for 4 years many doctors say that is the best medicine for ocd mm that and and Zoloft if you go really high up on it but that's great that that was able to at least help you get through that time somewhat yeah it was definitely I I and I was also I was in a relationship that wasn't health that wasn't really healthy at the end too which was contributing to just a lot of like insecurity and I was like being cheated on and um it was just it there was just you know, when I was like in college away from my family, like trying to find myself, my like struggling with sexuality and like falling in love with a girl for the first time. So there was just like, there was, right. there was just like a lot of layers. It's, just, it's funny because that's my next thing. Like, so you've, you speak so publicly about your own mental health and your own sexuality. And it seems like you've always been this open or, or right from what I'm gathering and what I've read, like, have you always felt this open about your like OCD or anxiety or feelings, or is this something that you feel even more open in the last five years or something? I don't actually know that I've even ever specifically talked like this in depth about my, um, about my OCD or, or anxiety. I mean, I'm always just like, I don't think I've ever, I I don't think I've had that many, um, uh, platforms to be able to speak about it in this, like in depth of a way, you know what I mean? There's always just like a question on mental health. And I'm like, yeah, of course I support the like mental health struggles. Like I've had a fuck ton myself, but it, yeah, I never yeah. really like had the opportunity to super, um, to really, uh, dive, dive in it. But I feel like I feel zero shame about any of it. Like I That's don't great. feel yeah, there's not this, I don't feel embarrassed. There's not like an, there's not like an ounce of discomfort or weirdness in speaking about it because it's just like, not only is it like not an issue, like it's normal. Like every single, I think it's weird if, I think it's weird if someone's like, I, I've never had, like, I don't know if you've never, if you've never had a single mental health struggle, like what the, like, where do you, what do you eat every day? Like to give me your regimen. Like, yeah, I want to know. I think there's probably, I would guess, like different types where the, 
there's some people that may not even be aware that that's what they're yeah. struggling from and, or like, oh, why am I tired all the time or not as interested in what I used to be interested in or like, don't want to have sex. Like, oh, you're depressed. And, or there's some people right. that that's just, they're just prone to be, you know, happy. That's just kind of the way they're just more even keel, but I agree. Or it's like the, the flip side of people that are totally fucked up in there, but don't want to deal with it or look at therapy. So they, they turn to other things, you know? Yeah. Or it's it's that, it's that, or they're just like some enlightened souls who just have the keys to the universe who have (laughs) sort of just, you know, transcended above the, the suffering (laughs) as like, some of the some of the um, woke books that I'm reading would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you found it harder to be as open just about everything in general as you've become more and more successful and now are in the public eye? Like, because it's so great that you've been so open about your sexuality. And do you ever get, I would find it really overwhelming. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I got really over, I put out um, an EP called the sex tapes um, like in in September. And I was really, really, really open about that whole process. My ex and I, we had, um, we had quarantined, spent the entire quarantine together. And the music was really just about our like on again, off again, on again, off again uh, relationship over like the course of four years and she ended up shooting all the music videos for the project which is why it was called the sex tapes um you were in your parents house right yeah we were with we were with my quarantined with my parents and we kind of just you know we made every single video together we like turned like my living room into a like a bedroom set and like I was holding like a light while she was balancing something on her foot like there was no set design. <laughs> it was just like it was just it was just the two of us and um it was a beautiful like time and and such an amazing like creative outlet I think for both of us to be able to like express uh, everything that we were kind of feeling and also process like the hurting of it all. But I was so open and I did so much promo just being so explicit and it wasn't like I was reflecting back on on a time that I was like calling up old feelings and like it was it, it was actually like very real and very in the moment and we had like st- stopped speaking like while the you know project came out and it was really 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 hard and I think the at this was that, in September when it came out yeah. I stopped speaking okay I think um it was really hard for me to be like that I mean, it was good for me to be that honest it, it, because it, I just felt so alone in, in those times and in those moments that it, like the only thing that was helping me was just like, I was just like word vomiting so much because I was just in such a weird place and I would get on to, I, I would just like be bawling my eyes out and then I would get on to do like an interview five minutes later. And then I just felt like I had, I'm like, sorry, I'm like, on, I'm like literally so in this like right now as we speak. Um, so it was hard, but it was also, um, I don't know. Like it was just what was happening in my life. And I'm like having to put out music and speak to people and talk about it. I'm like, I might as well just actually say what the fuck's actually happening. Do you feel like, cause the, the, the seven songs of the sex tapes, they were basically like the seven steps for healing from a breakup. Right. You, do you feel like that helped you process it or, or did it hurt more? Like, I guess what I'm asking is, was it more painful going through that? 
do you think then not writing an album or you just think when you when you get in the process you have to write it it's just this like you're yeah, on I think yeah I, it's like, like I don't mean autopilot but you know what I mean it's like I have to do this I can't be stopped yeah it's not I, I don't even think it's a conscious choice I'm making I'm just like I have to I have to like I don't get know I just feel like what I was like put here to do like I just have to I I'm just gonna I'm just going to write it. And it, like, if it's not even for anyone else. It's literally just like, yeah. I'm making it, I'm making it for me. And like, I just feel so fortunate that I even, that I even have that as an outlet to be able to turn something that was like so painful into something that could be immortalized as a song and be something that's art and something that connects other people to other people and helps other people find each other. And like, if, you know, they mutually like my songs or like me or whatever it is. So I think it was, um, it was hard for sure. It made it, it just felt like I just kept reopening a fresh wound every minute I was talking about it. But at the same time, it also was like, it helped me understand it because I was just talking out loud to people and like, kind of talking through my feelings and discovering them as I was speaking, which is sometimes could be like a PR team's like absolute, like a publicist's nightmare because it's just like, Oh, who the fuck knows what Carrie's about to say? Like, there's never a script and there's never like, there's never, uh, there's never really like bullet points. So the, how did you come up with the name sex tape? I mean, I know it was with your ex and, but was there a sex tape like possibly made? So there was, um, the reason why I was called this, I mean, a sex tape is just like someone being captured in their like most vulnerable form. And my ex is like always, she's always, you know, she's had a, we've been using a camera and like a handy cam to just like film our life and film things. And she's an incredible photographer and, and, um, and with videos and and videographer as well. So she's always just had cameras and, and videos just, like documenting our lives over the last four years in like such a beautiful way. And she's always captured me in kind of like my, my rawest, like most true form. And so that's why, you know, and the videos were, the music videos were all shot by her, um, which is why the X is in of sex tapes is in parentheses. So it's just sort of the combination of, you know, what a sex tape is and, like the X, the X aspect of like the person that's the one behind the camera shooting it. I mean, I think that's such a great title and it's, it's so cool that she was able to capture you, you know, like through her lens, it's like, you know, wouldn't have been as good or I think or as intimate if someone was there, you know, a whole crew or director, it would have been completely different. Yeah. And I think it was just the most untouched project I've ever had. Like I like no, like we shot all of those videos together and um, nobody else had any say in like much of the creative or what it looked like. I mean, obviously I had my like very little team of like my manager and like my creative director Tess, who's also queer and and, like incredibly talented. And my manager, John, like we just had our, we just kind of like put our, we were all quarantined separately aside from me and my ex we were together but um yeah we all just kind of like put our brains together and was just I was just like all right how do we like how do we bring this music that's like about us to life and 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 my ex Shannon she was just like I you know she's like I have a camera and you have these songs and 
I, you know, I love to shoot you and I love being shot by her. And, um, uh, why don't we just, it's about us. Like, why don't we just make, why don't we just tell people what it is that like we're going through. And also just to show people that like relationships are like, it's hard. Life is hard. Like people don't all have it together. You can love someone so much with every fiber of your being. And like, it still cannot work out. Yeah. Sometimes love, uh, you know, just ain't enough. I don't mean to be cheesy, but it's true. That's not yeah. true. It's really, and it is heartbreaking, that whole going through it, but it's cool that you guys were able to capture it in that way. There was something that you tweeted at the beginning of the year. You, you had tweeted, sorry, I've been MIA. Social media makes me feel shitty, but I'm here just living. And I really want to talk about like how shitty social media can make people feel, especially women. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't even want to be on it or do it half the time, but you feel like you have to. And do you ever feel that way? Or do you think you could ever delete all social? Like even writing that seems crazy. <laughs> I wish, I honestly wish I could. I, I, I think it's like so detrimental to, to mental health. I think I just, I'm like, constantly like seeing what other people are doing. And then it makes me think about all the shit that I'm not doing. And then I think because of this, especially this last year, because we are only being able to stay connected through social media, because we can't see people and we're craving, we're still craving connection, obviously, and interaction because we're humans. And like, that's what we, that's what we are, you know, created to do do. is like another, um, but we are only now seeing real life and I'm literally like putting air quotes around real life. If you could see me through the lent through, through a phone screen and through tablet screens and through a laptop, like we're not seeing, we are not seeing real life anymore. Like, and we're on couches and we're like inside and we're not really able to experience the things that we have been in the past. And I think it's just so, and so now we're all just forming our new realities based off of like what we're seeing on our phones. And that just like never was reality and it still isn't reality. And I think it just, it leads to so much comparison and so much, um, just like putting yourself down about like where you are and where you should Questions be. the self-worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really, I, I think about it a lot because even statistically, I don't know the exact statistic, but my shrink had told me how much, how much more detrimental it is to women's mental health. Like they did a study of men versus women of when you just scroll through Instagram and there's just, there's just no way around it that you wouldn't feel and 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 you by the way i know people that are that you know before quarantine they're out and about traveling everywhere doing everything and even they get like that you know and so it's really such a mind fuck because none half of it i'm not saying everyone but so much of it is not real and people are you know face tuning themselves to death and so then it puts this insane standard on women and young girls. I don't even know how anyone who's a teenager deals with it. It's, um, I don't know, it's really sort of, I, I have to take breaks if I'm not in a good headspace. Me too. Yeah, and I, it's, it's crazy because I just feel like with so many things that 
uh, people are doing, especially artists or really whatever you're doing, even if you're not an artist, like you, you feel like you have to have Instagram, you have to have a presence on there. It doesn't, it's not going away, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, it's not going away. I was even just having this conversation last night about how the, how Instagram filters, like how damaging that is. Even yes. to little Yes. And I was watching, um, I was watching an interview with, um, I think it was like with a plastic surgeon or something. And he was saying the amount of people that come to me, showing me pictures of their faces with filters on it and saying, I want my nose to look like this, or I want this body part. It's like setting such an unrealistic standard. And I just feel I, the way that young you know, young people are growing up right now with these filters or just ends up creating such a false sense of like what humans look like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, my God. And it may, and it breaks my heart and it makes me really sad. And I, I agree. I have to take breaks off of it too. When I feel like I'm not really, I'm not really in in the best place. No, it's true that Instagram has kind of added all those filters that really more Snapchat had where it's like, no one looks like a, you know, like tiny Asian cat, you know, like they're like so crazy or just that it's smoothing the skin. It's doing this, the eyes. And I, I get rid of your smile lines, like your under eye bags, it makes the, it makes the bridge of your nose a little bit smaller and your lips are a little bit poutier. It makes your eyes bigger. It makes your jawbone a little bit more, like it literally changes the entire shape of your face. And then it goes off for one second and you're like, oh fuck, I look horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, like, it fucks with me too. I'm like, this is not, I literally, sometimes I, there was a period where I was like, oh, I literally can't post without this one filter on. And I'm yeah. like, that's so ridiculous. No, but I, I get like that too. And it's weird. It kind of takes the ethnicity out of people's faces. You know, these filters. It's just making, it's just blending. It's just making us all have the same feature, like have the same features. It's just doing the same things to people. And I'm like, my God, that's, that's where the beauty is, is just like in smile lines and in like, like eye wrinkles, because it's like, means that you laugh a lot and you've lived like you live a good life and you just are like natural is, is beautiful. And like, we just, that, that narrative of it not being it, like, I don't know. I mean, it's been around like forever and it just feels worse than ever. So it's like, I just have to keep reminding myself, my face is good the way that it is. Yeah. It's hard though, when you're on it or you see that, but that's good that you're able to take breaks and, or just follow people that hopefully like make you feel good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's another thing too. That's another form of setting boundaries is like unfollowing people that don't, that, that, that make you feel not good about yourself or make you feel any type of way. That's not something that just feels like uplifted and supported, you know? So it's like, that's another, it's another boundary. No, it's true. I also had a therapist once that said there was, um, a guy that I kept going back to dating and he was like, all this guy is doing is reinstating negative feelings that you feel about yourself and mm -hmm. it really hit me because it, he was right so it can yeah be a person someone you're following it's it is it's boundaries um speaking of laugh lines you uh you recently penned the last laugh which was an original song for the focus features sundance hit promising young woman which i watched last night so fucking good if if any of you listening haven't watched it um, Vice wrote that Promising Young Woman expertly uses fem pop songs to underscore its critically acclaimed twisted tale of trauma and revenge. 
And you're the femme behind one of the pop songs, obviously, uh, the best one. Do you think it's important to get revenge or at least seek it in a reaction to a trauma or if you've been wronged? Um, what I think was really like interesting about Promising Young Woman is that the, I think it wasn't so much, the point of the film wasn't so much about being vengeful or seeking revenge. I think it was it, more about the commentary of how our society, you know, reacts to this specific topic. And I feel like this film like really uncovered the conversations about like the ugly truths of rape culture. And Cassie, like in the film, like was obviously somebody that was struggling and needed like, and needed help. Um, but it was more so, more so than about the revenge. Like it was really just about the, um, I'd say just like exposing the truth and, and also just the way that people, like the importance of pe people being held accountable for their actions and like, and just how often women and people in general, like sexual assault and abuse is like not just about is not just for women, like so many people experience, but how it's about believing people, yeah. um, which I think was the thing that was so, so important. And like, for me being a part of that film was, you know, like I wrote a song called I Believe You in, in 2018. And like with that song, I was able to say like, I believe you, I see you, I hear you. And with Last Laugh, I was really able to say like, I, and being somebody that does have a platform and being able to speak about, you know, having agency over my body and my sexuality, which is something that I feel like very proud of and, and something that is super important to me, like somebody that has that platform to be able to talk about that. On the flip side of that, I also feel like it's my responsibility to like be a voice for the people that haven't had one and haven't had that opportunity and to say like I believe you and I will keep fighting for you until the people that have been laughing at our fucking expenses like aren't laughing anymore um and it's us having the last laugh I mean I think that's really well said that you want to hold people accountable yeah I think it's just it's I think it just it like it, it exposed also to just the the flaws of just our um like of our system too, even in just the way that we handle these sort of topics and these conversations. And it was a film that was meant to like leave you with a lot of questions and thinking about shit. Like it was definitely a very, very important um, think piece that I think the music and the soundtrack of it too really just like brought it, brought it to life. So I was so honored to like get to be a part of that. Yeah, the music was like another character in the film it really helped tell the story. Yeah, totally. I think it, it, it was, uh, it was like the perfect like companion to the film and, and, and said a lot when Cassie wasn't, you know, it really was just like each song was just like about her journey. And so when I saw the film, I was told that I could write, you know, write a song if, if any, if I felt inspired to the last scene, um, there's like a series of like scheduled texts and like one of them had a winky face from Cassie. And I was just like, oh, and in that moment, I literally under my breath, as I was seeing the film, I said, she had the last laugh. 
And I was like, that's exactly, and I went to the studio like that next night. And like, that's what, that's what we wrote. Oh, wow. That's awesome. We always end the interview with five questions. So are, are you ready? I'm ready. I feel like you're ready. What do you do for a mental break? What do I do for a mental break? Um, I just like to get in my car and drive, honestly. Like I like to just go be outside, like go either see the ocean or just like, if I can't get to the ocean, just like sit in the grass, like, and, and, and I delete, um, I delete social media apps off of my phone and delete them off. Yeah. I do it honestly, like five times. I do it all the time. Sometimes I do it like multiple times a day, (laughs) but yeah, I delete the apps off of my phone and, um, and I just kind of like disappear into like nature for a little bit. Yeah. You feel better because you're not in that sort of like rat race in your mind. I feel like, um, question number two is when is the last time you cried? Mm, yesterday. I cry like pretty off. I cry a lot. I cry a lot these days. I also, I have my, like, I have my period too. So I'm just like feeling hella emotional right now. My God, me too. Yes. This, this, yeah. We're just, everything is like on the surface. What are you currently reading? If anything, or listening to? Um, I am, ooh, what am I listening to? I'm listening to a lot of podcasts by Tara Brock. Um, she is just like a mindfulness meditation guru who's like incredible I am reading a book called um I've been reading this book for a while but it's so good that it like I just I literally read like the chapters are really small and I read them like I read I try to read like a couple a week but um it's awareness by Anthony DeMello which is a book that's like changed my life and then yeah and then 101 essays that change that'll change the way you think by Brianna uh I think it is or Weist um, incredible, incredible, also life-changing book. That's interesting. I feel like I've heard of the 101 essays, but I haven't heard of awareness. Yeah. It's kind of short chapters that you can kind of like reread. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they make you think so hard and they just feel like the biggest, like punch in the gut in a, in a good way. Number four, what is the best and worst advice you've been given? I mean, I just feel like, I don't know that I was anyone that was like really specific, but I just feel like the best advice or the best sort of like thing that I've carried with me is sort of to just always, God, I'm like, I'm struggling with this question. I also can't remember the worst advice. I have a bad memory. I'm like, what the fuck is anyone? Ever- I have a really, I have a really bad memory. I'm like, what has anyone ever told me? Uh Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I just think probably that the, the a thing that's just like really stuck with me is just like being super honest and speaking your truth and also like trust in your gut. I think for a really long time, I like always was just not trusting my gut because I always thought that everyone knew better than I did and that my like opinion sucked and that I wasn't like that I wasn't, you know, I, I should listen to other people. And I think, I don't know, until you like experience experience something yourself is when like, I think that you really start to believe it. And so I, that, I think it was, it was when I realized that I was like, no, my voice matters and my opinion matters. And like that is that gut intuition is something that just like really never leads you wrong. Even, even if you don't know where the hell it's taking you, um, yeah, you, you, you got to rock with it. 
because there's there's like the universe has a funny way too of just like a thing of making things work out and so you even if you don't really understand why you're somewhere right now or what's going on or like what is the reason behind whatever pain it is that you're going through or thing that you're kind of like in right now it's like there's a like it the, the lesson will like show it's itself at some point no it's true like that's why the saying you feel it in your gut yeah and then the worst advice i've ever been given uh i don't know what's the worst advice you wait sorry go ahead i was gonna say like what's the worst i'm trying to think like what's the me like the worst advice you've ever been given i will i was once told as a as a child like i had i was probably like i don't know maybe like 12 or 13 i had a teacher tell me i had so much aggression the only thing i'd ever become was a female wrestler oh so that to me was like, oh, I'm going to go and do everything I want to do. Like sometimes the worst advice can be, can catapult someone to do what they've meant, you know, to do if, if, if they had a. I had somebody say about me that I was quite difficult to work with because I'm really opinionated. Yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's made me want to be like, well, I'm just going to even be more fucking opinionated then because people just have such a problem with when having opinions. And, and so I'm just like, all right, get ready for just a, a mouthful of opinions at all times then. Yeah. <laughs> if you were a man with an opinion, they'd be like, he's really smart. He has great ideas. Like it just, yeah. And like, but they're like, you're bossy. Yeah, exactly. That I was, that I was, yeah, kind of, I was a bit picky and hard to work with because of how I was very opinionated. So to all the ladies out there, (laughs) fucking blast your opinions on full volume all the time. Yes. Turn up the volume on your opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the last question is what Instagram account do you find uplifting? If any, I guess, after our conversation about social media. Yeah, that's a really sweet. Um, I love Okay, her Instagram is it's Tanya Instagram. Her name is Tanya, but her name is Tanya uh, Ingram, and she wrote a book called How to Survive Today. That literally is just like feels, and she writes these just like little little blurbs that she posts posts, and it says like how to get over yesterday or how to get through the week or a holiday reminder, how to find love again, like these little just like blurbs. And she also just, she has lupus and she posts about her like health journey and experience that she's on. And, um, she's just, you know, and, and I also just think it's like so important to lift up like black creatives and black voices. And she's someone that's just so powerful and a badass. Um, and somebody that I find like really who has just, I started following her account when it was like really, really, really small. And she only had just like a couple, you know, like a few, like, like a thousand followers or something. And I've just been watching her, her account grow because her, her words are just like, feel like a hug on a shitty day, you know, just like a friendly hug. I love that title, how to survive today. I know. And it's just, and because that's just so what it's about. It's not like how to survive life. It's like, how do we, how do we get through like the next, how to survive this next hour. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's like, and that's what it is. Like when you're in a breakup or when you're going through shit, it's like, God, how do I survive like the next 10 minutes of my life? And there's just something about her words that feels so comforting in those times where it's just like, yes, this is the, this is like, this is the truth. Like, this is how, this is how I do this. And it like makes you just want to embrace all the weird, ugly 
parts about it. It's just like, oh, this is actually where like the beauty and the truth of all of this is. So um, shout out to Tanya. She's, we've never actually met in person, but I have this like weird, this like weird connection. You know how you just like have those people where you're just like, oh, I feel like I know you or just, you just find comfort in their existence. Like she's someone that I like, I find comfort in, in her existence. I need to check this out. So many good, yeah, she's great. So many good uh, book recommendations. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing so much with us and being so honest. You really like kept it real, which is which is rare, you know. In this, even though we are going through this pandemic and all of that, but still, I think people think they still have to have this veneer. Yeah, I think it's an exhausting one, you know kind of gave gave that one up a while ago. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode and shouts out to Fletcher for joining me. We are so thrilled to have you. Um, Where can our listeners find you? Can you give us all your handles or? Totally. And you guys can find me on Instagram. It's at finding X Fletcher. Twitter is just finding Fletcher. I am, I don't know. I'm on YouTube. I am on Apple Music. I am on Amazon, Spotify. Fans? I, <laughs> I'm actually not on OnlyFans, but I'm not ruling. I'm not ruling. Uh, not ruling that out. Maybe one day I might be on OnlyFans. Shout out to all the OnlyFans people, yes. and you, you live your damn life. I might. I might be joining you one day. Yeah, I know. Sounds good to me. So, is there something you have coming up that you want to tell us about, or? feel free to plug anything or not. I, um, I am just, I'm working on my debut album. I've just been, I've been, uh, writing a bunch, writing my heart out. I think I've been like the heartbreak queen for, (laughs) for, I'm calling myself a queen, but like, I've been the heartbreak chick for a minute and I've just been spending like a lot. I've been spending like a lot of time, like really just trying to find myself and, and, and write about, write about Fletcher for once, which has been a really interesting journey, but I'm writing my debut album and, you know, finding ways to, to still like stay connected with, with, you know, people despite the times that we're in. So just stay tuned, uh, stay tuned for the debut album. Okay, great. Well, we can't wait to hear your, you know, your debut album. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And I hope that you continue to be as honest and open. I feel like you will this journey you're on. I mean, it's great. It's like an easier way to be. Yeah, I, I agree. And we just, we all need, we all need some easier shit in life these days. I know. All right. Well, that's all folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU and we can be found on Apple and Spotify and tune in next time. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.